0: Welcome to Game Changers, the show that's about playing by your own rules when it comes to your career. Join us as we speak with people who have taken the road less traveled and found their niche. I'm your host, Seth Robinson. We're there to shake up politics and whether we win or not, I think we're gonna do that. Today's guest is best known for his work with Pride Cup, an initiative that has grown over the last six years from the grassroots of regional football into a national movement for LGBTI plus pride and inclusion across sporting codes. Jason Ball is an entrepreneur and activist and will be running as the Greens candidate for the hotly contested seat of Higgins in the upcoming federal election. Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me and Seth. It is a pleasure to be here. To kick things off, I wonder if you could tell us a bit about Pride Cup.
1: Sure. Well, the idea came from... All the way back in 2012 when I made the decision to share my story with the media of what it was like to be gay and play football, what it was like to hear homophobic language on the field, what it was like to be in the closet, what it was like to feel that I had to choose between being myself and playing the game that I loved. And I came out in the hope that it would drive cultural change within the AFL so that more players and athletes and officials can feel comfortable to be themselves in that environment. And uh, I could never have imagined back then that today I would be involved in this organization that is rolling out rainbow sporting games across the country and coupled with education to help players and coaches challenge homophobia and, uh, you know,
0: drive that change. Mm Mm-hmm. So what kind of change have you seen over the last five years? It's been quite widely accepted and taken off then? Yeah, it certainly has. Uh, And it didn't happen overnight.
1: Uh, Back in 2012, I launched a petition calling on the AFL to do more to tackle homophobia. And the issue was quite relevant in the media at the time because there had been an incident on the field where a player was heard issuing a homophobic slur to another player, but he had gotten off on a lot lesser penalty than, say, a racist slur. So there's a lot of commentary happening in the game about whether or not homophobia is fair game. And I know when I was growing up, hearing words like faggot and poof and homo, using the word gay as an insult, that was constant, whether it was coming from over the fence or from the opposition mm-hmm. or even my own teammates. And every time I heard those words it felt like a reminder that if any of my teammates found out about my sexuality that I wouldn't be accepted and I ended up hiding my sexuality from my teammates for a good 10 years and so it was that the language was one of the biggest barriers to me feeling included and accepted and so we started off with a project with the AFL Players Association where mm-hmm. we got some of the biggest names in the AFL to take a pledge that they wouldn't use homophobic language to encourage others to also take that pledge. We eventually got, uh, we, we started off asking the AFL to do a pride round in the same way that they have an indigenous round and a multicultural round within the game. Which they now do, correct? Which they which they now do across both men's and women's. But back then they weren't really ready for that idea. And mm-hmm. so it was down to my local football club, Yarra Glenn, who sort of led the way I suppose we were like well if you're not going to do it then we are and so down at the grassroots level we painted our 50 meter line rainbow and we created rainbow jumpers for both of the teams we created education programs for the players and coaches and We got national media coverage for this day. The crowd was four times the size of a normal game of country footy. And many of the people who came along were part of the LGBTIQ community who said that they felt welcome for the first time at a country footy match. And that was really us proving that there is Mm -hmm. a demand for this, that it can be done in a really tasteful, appropriate way. And on that day, the AFL announced that if any AFL clubs at the top level wanted to do this, that they would have their support. And so fast forward to a couple of years later, the St Kilda Football Club and the Sydney Swans held the first Pride game at Etihad Stadium, where we had the 50 metre line there painted in a rainbow. And... They, they paid homage to the fact that it was something that came from the grassroots. My yeah. teammates from Yarra Glen in amateur footy, I formed the Guard of Honor when the St Kilda players ran out onto the ground and I got my face on the cover of the footy record. And wow. I got to toss the coin at the start of the game. And from it going national... Back at the grassroots level, we had more and more clubs signing up, wanting to do a Pride Cup. But at that stage, there was no infrastructure, there was no support, everyone was just calling me and saying, what do we do? We want to do a Pride <laughs> Cup. And I can only do so much, I'm yeah. only one person. So that was the motivation to create uh, Pride Cup Australia, a, a new non-profit organization with the goal to work with any sporting club mm-hmm. at any level in any code to help them hold a Pride Cup. So what other kind of sports have gotten on board as part of that? Well, just a couple of weeks ago, we actually got together the 10 CEOs from Victoria's State Sporting associations, so AFL Victoria, Netball Victoria, Basketball Victoria, Cricket Victoria, etc. Uh, we got them all together and we had them sign a Pledge of Pride, which was a commitment to working within their codes to create an inclusive culture for LGBTIQ people, to invest in education and awareness raising Uh, whilst also helping us launch our organisation, which is one really great way that clubs can get on board uh, with this cause. And so we are now working across all sorts of different codes. We've seen Pride Cups, not just in Aussie Rules football, but now in cricket and in basketball and in water polo. Um, Any team sport uh, can get involved
0: and show their colours of support. That must be really exciting, especially seeing it grow from that grassroots level to come to this point.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think looking at community sporting clubs that is the focus of pride cup that's where 90 percent of people play sport Mm -hmm. and what we have found is that the sporting club is often the heart of a community especially in a regional area and when they get on board with an issue it creates ripple effects and it changes hearts and minds i know many people who grew up in hamilton uh, which is sort of an hour north of Warnable out in Western Victoria, who had a terrible time coming out in that town, but they came back when their town did a Pride Cup. And when they did, they were greeted with rainbow messages in all of the shop windows. Um, in Gippsland, the local power station lit up their cooling towers with rainbow lights on the weekend of their Pride Cup, which was just such an amazing welcome for people yeah. coming to that town for this event. So, And it was really the sporting club that drove it. I don't think any other event has put... LGBTI people, those rainbow colours and allies on the front pages of regional papers quite
0: like the Pride Cup. One of our previous interviews was with Laura Youngson, who works with Equal Playing Field, and her big thing is gender equality across Mm -hmm. sport. Prior to that, I had never realized what a vehicle sport can be for this kind of cultural change. Absolutely.
1: Our our vision is a world where LGBTIQ people feel included and accepted, and we absolutely believe that sport has the power to get us there. Some research came out in 2015, a couple of years after I came out, that showed that my story wasn't an isolated one. It found that 80% of Australians had experienced homophobia in sport. And the impact that that had was that 87% of young gay men who played sport felt the need to be in the closet. They didn't feel comfortable to come out or they stopped playing sport, Mm -hmm. usually around the age of 15 or 16. And that has the flow on effects of them missing out on all of the positive aspects that come from playing in sport, whether that's the physical activity of running around, the mental health, impacts that flow from that or just the social aspects of being connected in a community which sporting Mm -hmm. clubs bring. For us, that was... A real driving force behind this work is that when it comes to LGBTIQ inclusion in sport, the results for health and well being are twofold. Um, both it's challenging an environment that has traditionally been seen as pretty homophobic, yeah. and we know that homophobia is bad for people's mental health and well being, but also we're giving people access to all of the good outcomes that sport and recreation bring by making those environments more inclusive.
0: I guess I have a structural question, which was kind of about the evolution of Pride Cup. So in 2018, you were part of the Melbourne Accelerator Program. And that was working with Pride Cup as well, correct? Yeah, so we were
1: the first nonprofit to ever be accepted into MAP, the Melbourne Accelerator Mm -hmm. Program, which was so exciting. And uh, that program was incredible in terms of helping us scale. So Mm -hmm. we had this idea, we had been part of an incubator program called Progress Labs, which sort of gave us the bones of setting up a new organization. So, you know, registering for an ABN and getting our a business strategy together and fundraising plan Uh, our social impact model. And Mm -hmm. then when we graduated from that program, the accelerator program was sort of this amazing next step and it enabled us to really apply all of the amazing minds that the University of Melbourne network have access to um, across different industries. And we were really interested in seeing how we can not just be reliant on government grants for our program. So it was through the accelerator program that we got the skills and the know-how to launch an online store so that we could sell rainbow sporting merchandise to create our own revenue in order to help fund the education programs that we were wanting to roll out. And if it wasn't for the Melbourne accelerator program, we definitely wouldn't have been
0: able to do that I was wondering because I mean it's been six years between the accelerator program and your initial kind of thought and petition around that do you feel like having that time to really kind of lay your foundation and then be able to just focus on scaling changed the capability of what you could reach or do you think if you tried to do the accelerator program earlier it wouldn't have been as positive an outcome
1: I definitely think it took me the time to really understand what the community's needs were, what was going to work and what wasn't going to work. I remember very early on, there were all sorts of different ideas floating around. One of them was to potentially have like a rainbow round of football where we're actually inviting members of the LGBTIQ community to come and play the game. We just found that to be... Incredibly difficult within the structures of AFL. Um, we ended up at having a side program where we had AFL nines, which is like touch football, uh, as an opportunity for people to sort of introduce themselves to the sport. AFL is not a game that you can just throw yourself into from the start. Like the fields are huge, it's contact sport. If you don't if, if you don't know how to fall properly, you're likely to break a bone. And so we we found other ways to get people involved in that, but. It took a while to learn what was going to work and Mm -hmm. where the power was in this. And what we found was that community sporting clubs and straight allies, actually there was an appetite for this. And in order to bring it to them, what we have collectively done with the Pride Cup organization is take the collective wisdom and experience and know-how of the many different communities that had done a Pride Cup over the last six years and actually put that all into a document and templates that
0: people can pick up and run with to make it easier. So talking about your career now... You're running for the seat of Higgins as a candidate for the Greens, but how does that compare to your previous
1: experience? For me, it's an extension of, you know, I'm wanting to create positive change and I think politics is a vehicle with which you can create systemic change uh, mm-hmm. for, for people's lives. And although my personal story around being a gay sports person has, has driven me towards LGBTIQ inclusion in sport, I'm passionate about a whole lot of other issues as well, whether that's taking strong action on climate change or a more compassionate approach for people seeking asylum or reducing inequality in the community. And so this is the second time I've run for office. Um, I ran in 2016 for the Greens in Higgins and we got a huge swing and kind of set it up to potentially win at the next election. But These two sort of competing things side by side were really interesting in Mm -hmm. that I realized that, you know, if my goal was to one day become an MP, um, I needed to hand over as much of the capital, the know-how, the idea, the vision for Pride Cup to a team of people to take it forward so it could grow and be the thing that it needs to be because there is a demand for it out there. And so I really set my sights on 2018 as being the year that we would set up Pride Cup in a way that I could step back from it, and so that it wasn't all about me. So have you done um, that now? Yeah. Well, yeah. I've. Um, we've now got a, with our fundraising efforts. Um, I mean, obviously the Melbourne Accelerated Program includes a grant of twenty thousand dollars, which is amazing, which really helped us. We're also lucky enough to get some grants from Vic Health and the Victorian Government, and we've also locked in our first corporate sponsor. Awesome. Um, at about three hundred thousand dollars over three years to support the. Pride Cup. So that has enabled me to hire a team who can do the work. And I've been able to step back from the operations of Pride Cup. And I'm now just a volunteer board director Mm -hmm. um, for the organization. I meet with a team once a week, but that's enabled me to step back and focus on my other goal and my other dream, which is to become uh, an MP. It was just, it was a huge, we kind of condensed what would have been a 24 to 36 month process Mm -hmm. into 12 months. And largely that was supported by the Melbourne Accelerator Programme. That's perfect, because I was going
0: to ask, how do you manage all of those spinning plates?
1: Yeah, look, it was hard. Last year pushed me to my limits when it came to both being involved in a startup, which is all-consuming in mm-hmm. and of itself, as well as announcing my candidacy and trying to set up a campaign. And I quickly realized that I was not going to be able to do both things. I felt that I wasn't giving my best to either because I was trying to do both at once. And so the the need to be able to step back from Pride Cup came apparent foot faster than I had expected Mm -hmm. and if I hadn't have done that I probably would have burnt out before the election campaign even started and so um, you know I'm just so happy to now be in a space where I can both be focused on the campaign as well as have a little bit of time to myself to be able to recharge which is important be my best self um, and focus on my own well-being uh, as well as now have an organization that can stand alone by itself to take
0: that original vision forward. It must be a little bit like seeing your child go off to school or something. I imagine there's a similar sense of pride there.
1: Yeah, and I quickly learned that, you know, what it, what being a leader... Means is not necessarily doing everything yourself, but rather finding other people and giving them the means to do the work mm-hmm. and believing in them. And so for me, it was hard in the first year to sort of hand over all of that, but I really enjoyed giving my co founder, James Solicato, the, the opportunities to be in the limelight. And actually, mm-hmm. if we've got a speaking event for the Melbourne Accelerator Program, we had our demo day at the end when we graduated from that program. I'm like, you're going to do it <laughs> because you're the new face of this organization. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I'm here to help you in whatever way to to make that you know and he he didn't have the same abilities as public speaking from me having practiced it but Mm -hmm. I would say now we're on par it's about you realizing that you know you don't want perfect to be the enemy of getting something done Mm -hmm. and so realizing that sometimes mistakes are going to be made but people learn from those mistakes which overall equals the best outcome and it
0: creates character as well right absolutely yeah absolutely what do you kind of foresee the next few years looking like for you
1: yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a win-win because I, I, if I win the election, amazing, I become an MP at the age of 31 and get to go to awesome. Canberra and, and fight for change and bring some more diversity to our parliament. Um, we need more people from the LGBTIQ community. We, made, we need more young people in mm-hmm. parliament. Um, it's supposed to be a representative democracy at the moment. It's not. And so that's that's the goal. But if that doesn't happen for, you know, if we come close, I'm, we're there to shake up politics. And whether we win or not, I think we're going to do that. And so if I don't win, then I will have an organisation to, to jump back into and mm-hmm. to continue to push
0: forward and create change in that way. Jason, do you have any advice for young people who are interested in a career in advocacy? Well, if you look at my example... What
1: I did is I found a gap in the market, I suppose, when it came to LGBTIQ inclusion in sport. I felt that this was an, an area that needed attention. And I, when I came out, I was finding that there was a real demand for education and resources and information from this space. But there were no organizations uh, mm-hmm. dedicated to driving it. So I went out and started one. And, um, you know proved the case to the government and to other NGOs to work with us to get that off the ground and that we now have what you could almost consider a couple of the first ever paid jobs in LGBTIQ inclusion in sport through the Pride Cup organization that we have created. And it is really important that I think people can and should dedicate their entire lives to advocacy, but you do have to make a living. And Mm -hmm. so you need to definitely not sell yourself short when it comes to that. Don't give away your time for free um, sometimes you can do that to up to a certain point but at some point you need to go out there and say well I'm not going to do this work anymore until unless I get paid for it and you go out and you look for that funding whether that's from government whether that's from philanthropy whether that's from corporate sponsorship uh, and in the Pride Cup we have all three mm-hmm. uh, we launched a crowdfunder to get us off the ground we found some philanthropic grants we found some government grants we found corporate sponsorship so I guess my advice Advice, though, would be you probably don't want to do that too soon. It took us five years to, of, of running Pride Cups at a grassroots level and doing that on the side of work mm-hmm. as sort of a pet project to really understand what was needed to actually create an organization and go out and get the funding for it.
0: It sounds like when you are ready to take that step, there's a need to be quite entrepreneurial and an ability to network as part of that.
1: Absolutely and I think yeah I definitely through the work that I had done over the five years as an advocate and I guess a spokesperson around issues relating to homophobia in sport I had just been storing those up I guess over those years for this moment and and when it came uh I think within two days, I had assembled a board of some of the biggest names uh, across the sporting uh, landscape who were willing to sign up to be part of this project. And so it definitely takes takes time, but saving up that capital and those relationships for the right moment and getting it out there in that snapshot, that's was a key to our success for Pride Cup. So a bit of patience as well. Patience, definitely patience.
0: Yeah. Well, Jason, I have one last question and then we'll let you go. What's One thing that's not on your resume that you think has gotten you to where you are today? The one thing that's not on my resume
1: that certainly has shaped who I am and has gotten me where I am today was a student exchange program that I did in 2005 where I went to the United States and went to high school there for a year and I was thrown into Kansas, which is like the buckle of the Bible belt. and Mm -hmm. was a bit of a culture shock for me and it really taught me or gave me the passion for what i now consider the tools with which to figure out the reality of the world which is science and evidence and reason Mm -hmm. um uh, in my humble upbringing which was not particularly religious here in australia i um, hadn't really learned how to think critically Um, but when i was thrown into this situation where all of my school friends didn't believe in evolution um and uh, had some pretty warped views about gay people and marriage equality. I imagine that Um, was quite challenging in a lot of ways. It was really challenging, but I, you know, going on a student exchange is about experiencing a different culture, and I was really there to learn and to Mm -hmm. understand and to connect, and I was inspired to find out what was true about the things that they were saying, and I kind of had these two opposing worldviews. One is either religious texts and dogma and the other is observation and science. And I definitely gravitated towards the latter. And, um, you know, when I came back to Australia... I was so inspired by that. Here at the University of Melbourne, I was involved in founding the University of Melbourne Secular Society, where we uh, explored issues of separation of church and state and um, issues around science and religion, which, you know, was really, going back to it, my first foray into activism. I organized a protest on the steps of Parliament House against the Pope because he didn't support condoms in AIDS-ridden Africa. Um, Right. I, um, yeah, we organized, the Global Atheist Convention here in Melbourne, which attracted 4,000 attendees from across the world to come and hear from leading thinkers across science and philosophy and uh, journalism and art. And um, so that, that experience of just that culture shock of getting thrown into a community that you are not familiar with yeah. um, and being challenged, I think, is one of the foundational things that has
0: turned me into the person I am today. Wow, it sounds very much like the match in the tinderbox kind of experience. Jason, thank you so much for joining us on Game Changers. Game Changers is recorded by Chris Hadzis and produced by Sophie Thomas. I've been your host, Seth Robinson.